Metricast. This became my spiritual practice that I never knew I was having, which was so exciting. And it took me years later to stand far enough back to go, wow, I can't believe I was called to do that. And I literally was. There's a whole story around that I won't share. But then it kept coming and it kept coming. And the awareness that it created for me changed everything in my life and the association that I had with love in my life. Because now it wasn't just, I had to wait for somebody to come knocking on my door so I felt love. All of a sudden I knew how to create it. All of a sudden I had more control about how I felt about love in the world around me. And I no longer needed some knight on a white shining horse to come and rescue me so I could feel like I was a princess. And down the road we went. And I had times in my life I had that. And and, and then it no longer was needed. I, I had no need for that kind of love because I knew that the love came from within me. Welcome, beautiful souls, to season two of the Cosmic Love Antenna with your host, Harrison Ma. I invite you on a mystical voyage from the intellect to the soul, delving deep into the mysteries of love's spiritual essence and its unfolding. This podcast celebrates the peeling back of heart layers, revealing profound lessons, interviews with spiritual seekers, and practices to open your heart to love's infinite wisdom. Good morning, evening, afternoon, magical beings. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Cosmic Love Antenna and a deep dive into a loving, spiritual, mystical topic and conversation. I have a powerful, loving heart to share with you today. But before I get to her and this topic at hand, I want to welcome all of the powerful souls joining live today, either on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube, or watching the podcast, listening to the podcast. Thank you for your energy. I see you there, Jackie. Thank you for popping in. If this conversation today hits your heart, as always, I encourage you to share it out, share it out with a lover, a family member, a friend that you think it can support and give value to. And please head over to Apple and Spotify. Leave your feedback on this discussion. It really helps me pick topics and bring on guests just for you that I know are going to light you up. Speaking of guests and speaking of topics that light you up, today I have the pleasure to welcome back my divine friend, Jacqueline Way. Jacqueline is a beautiful keynote speaker. She is a TEDx speaker and the founder of the charitable organization 365 Give. And today with her heart and her love, we are going to dive into the topic of how we change the world with love. We're going to talk about what are the misconceptions around this? What does this practically mean to dive deeper into this? What are some of the illusions and everything in between? Jacqueline, with all that, welcome back to the Cosmic Love Antenna. Well, Harrison, I'm just so honored to be here. Uh, to be a guest twice on your show uh, is a gift. And most importantly, since we've now had some time together uh, in person, which is very exciting for me, you know, it, it gives us a new perspective on love. And I'm excited to uh, dive into this one um, yeah. so that we can we can create a new conversation around love. Um, I think it's a four letter word that scares the crap out of most people. <laughs> And, and I, and I want to, I want to give it some light to just challenge people to look and potentially think and act about love a little differently in their lives. So I have a, um, a interesting question that just came in that I want to ask you, and this connects to this topic today of how we change the world with love and 
you just you casually just dropped it in with what you were just saying, but I want to pull it out. Since our last podcast, we have had the opportunity to meet in person in the 3D in your lovely home in Vancouver. And I'm interested, Jacqueline, just for people that have tuned to the show for a long time and have followed me, maybe followed you. What, if you had to describe it, what is the difference, if there is any, between the love we're able to share virtually, you know, like we're doing right now, and what starts to change when you're able to interact with that kind of love in the 3D, much like we were able to do when we spent time together? What's, what are your thoughts around that? You know, Harrison, and you're such a beautiful example of this, and, I, and I've had this example come into my life often recently. And I would have used to have said, you know, there's nothing like being in person with someone um, and to have and, and what we know. And I, I'm going to talk about love both biologically and from my perspective, spiritually, because I think that they're both so interconnected. And I know that you live so in the beautiful spiritual world that you help people to understand. But I, I really want people to understand the biological response that we have too, because we can't deny it's that. You know, you can, yeah, you can think you're a spiritual being all you want. And listen, I'm the first one to think that. But we also need to know is how do we use this beautiful body and experience that we have to also help elevate our experience. So if you had asked me years ago, uh, and I would have said, you know, it's it's all about um, the physical connection. Um, I'm not sure we would have been able to connect the way that we do now um, in our social media world, our social audio world, our live Zoom world, all of the ways that we do um, on the deep level that we do. But I think there's a beautiful recognition. And the more we become aware, and this is really what I want to dig into today, is when you and I met, um, and I think we both felt the same way, is we already knew each other. There was no skipping a beat. You walked in my front door from Australia and your travels around the world. And not for a minute did I not think I knew you. And I think that there's different kinds of love. I think I think one of the types of love in relationships, I call it, I call it the 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 Tinder swiping love, you know, where it's that magical, you know, you meet somebody and and your physical body is firing off. And, you know, there's this con- electrifying uh, connection. Um, sometimes in person, sometimes even not in person. Um, but but there's a lot of, um, that's the love that scares us at times, right? That's the love that you want to dive in with both feet. And then the other half of you is going, oh, they're going to burn me. This isn't real. You know, I, we got to get married. We got to have kids. All of a sudden you're going down this, this road of, you don't even know that your mind's taking you on where love becomes scary because all of a sudden, there's expectations attached to love. There's um, the person has to behave a certain way, um, which we all do. We behave perfectly when we first fall in love. And then all of a sudden you don't. And the socks that are left on the floor and the dishes that are in the sink and, well, and the difference, all of the others, right? And the difference, Jacqueline, that you're highlighting and you described this a second ago, you know, it's the difference between physical the physical love and the spiritual love to make it let's take a take out all the terminology just make it as simple as possible the, the physical and the spiritual and i don't think this is a conversation of awe this is not physical love or that deeper spiritual recognizing 
the person like you've met them for generations type of spiritual love. It's not an or conversation, it's an and. So I think, you know, when we start to, I want to jump to another question here for you, Jacqueline, but as we start to expand into how we can embody love to shift the world outside of us, I think it's really a conversation around both, both ends of the spectrum, which brings me to another question I want to throw at you, Jacqueline. When I talk to people about love in in all the different ways that I do, I think one of the most common uh, pushbacks and challenges to, to it is that love is soft, love is quiet, love is still, love is you know, the thing that you do when you're at home by yourself or maybe with an intimate partner. But when you want to go out and change things and get things done, you know, love is, it's not really that necessary. We need some other things. What do you, how do you reply to this challenge, Jacqueline? Well, I think you're talking to a good person on this because without realizing it, you know, I have had the beautiful ability of, I could literally say committing to a love practice in a tangible, actionable, world-oriented way. And for those that are here that don't know the work that I do, my charitable organization, 365 Give, started as a personal parenting project with my son when he was just three years old. And I wanted to teach my son how to be a kind, compassionate, loving little human being. And most importantly, um, I wanted him to show up like that as a man in our world because I knew that we needed to cultivate a different type of male figure in our world for things to change. And so we did a really simple project. We, for every day, for 365 days from his third birthday to his fourth birthday, we did one small thing to give back to the world. Now, for those of you listening going, oh, well, that's super sweet. What a great parent you are and all of those things. But here's the really beautiful thing when love calls you. Because I literally think if you listen carefully, love will pick up the phone and dial right into you. Is when I was doing this practice with my son and what I was thinking was a a good, healthy, positive project to do with my son. What I didn't realize is it actually became my love practice, my Mm. outward love practice. Mm. Because, you know, I and I didn't never called it that. What I what I know about giving is it makes us happy. Right. When we give, it makes us happy. We we get this thing called your daily dose of happiness. And dose is an acronym that stands for dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and your endorphins. So it's this biological response where you feel happy, you feel feelings of love, you feel almost like you can conquer the world. And you keep going, but all actionable. So you're using this beautiful body that we have to stimulate this positive response. But everything that we did through giving, we did with love. Because we had no expectation of anything in return. We went out and we did these things together, whether it was picking up garbage, going to the animal shelter, baking cookies for our neighbors. We did it with zero expectation of anything in return at all. Did we get beautiful gifts along the way? Absolutely. Did we get the beautiful recognition of people around us that felt seen and heard and recognized? Did we feel mother earth, you know, every time we picked up garbage and all of a sudden, you knew you were making an impact in this world around us that needs us so desperately. And did you feel that exchange and connection to nature? 
as we did so many of these into the animals that we live on, even if it's the bird feeder out in your garden that you make with your three-year-old, that you knew that you were just caring for every living creature that was coming into your garden, all of a sudden you start to feel this beautiful frequency of love. And so this is where I want to tie it in, Harrison, is that to me, for people who maybe don't have a spiritual practice yet, who don't believe in spirituality, who maybe don't have a religion that connects them in their own way, God, Allah, Buddhism, whatever your your preferences and words, this became my spiritual practice that I never knew I was having, which was so exciting. And it took me years later to stand far enough back to go, wow, I can't believe I was called to do that. And I literally was. There's a whole story around that I won't share. But then it kept coming and it kept coming. And the awareness that it created for me changed everything in my life and the association that I had with love in my life. Because now it wasn't just I had to wait for somebody to come knocking on my door so I felt love. All of a sudden, I knew how to create it. All of a sudden, I had more control about how I felt about love in the world around me. And I no longer needed some knight on a white shining horse to come and rescue me so I could feel like I was a princess. And down the road we went. And I had times in my life I had that. And and, and then it no longer was needed. I, I had no need for that kind of love because I knew that the love came from within me. Yeah. I mean, there's so that was much a long in, answer. No, that was that was a long answer. There's so much more. <laughs> yeah, and it's beautiful, Jacqueline, because there's so much in there that we can jump off. I'll, I'll I'll express and expand from that beautiful last point of the knight in shining armor, and it's not. I want to make this very clear. It's not just a knight in shining armor in terms of a partner or romantic sense. It's definitely that, but it's also your relationship to power and truth and love, right? We, I just did a post on Instagram about this this morning, actually about how we are all to some degree, right? And I, I'm going to say this with love to everyone listening to test this and challenge this belief system inside of yourself. We all have some kind of belief system, whether from this lifetime or past lifetimes that has intentionally put separation between us and our power, us and our divinity, us and our presence, right? Whatever your higher power is, there should not be separation between that. And if there is, there becomes, you know, codependency and 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 suffering in many ways. But and Harrison, yeah, that's just really go. quickly before yeah. you just finish that thought, I want people to think of religion for one moment. Yes. And and I'm a person who grew up with in religion grandfather was an Anglican, like, and he wasn't just a minister. He was like the archdeacon of the Anglican church. Like it, it was a lot in my world. And so I'm very familiar with that world. I grew up in it, but look at the separation that's caused by that word God, right? So instead of us thinking of God as love, which really for me is, is the divineness of that word God, Instead, it became a way of separating people, of dividing people, of saying, if you don't behave like this, God's not going to love you. If you don't do this, you're going to go to hell. If you don't, you know, all the rules and regulations around God, what God is possibly like that, right? And so really, it's interesting for me that that's where it started, or I shouldn't say that's where it started, but so much has stemmed from, from that, 
that so many of us have grown up with. And that sense of separation when to me, it's the total opposite. It's, It's how does it connect us? How does it bring us together? How is it easy that we can flow it easily? We're born as love. We all know that when you're a baby, you come out, there's no cultural programming yet. There's no you just want that connection with your mother and your father and, and to feel that sense of love women, when they start breastfeeding oxytocin floods their body, that's, that's a natural state of being and a sense of not only love that comes from the, the function of our bodies, but that sense of love. I'm an adoptive parent. The first time I held my son in my arms for all of my boys the love that came out of me was like nothing I had experienced in my life and still to this day. And so it's that remarkable thing that we can look at, you know, with so many of the differences in our world that have separated us that we need to look at right back to religion. Why would it possibly divide us when love just brings us together, no matter what way you look at it. And there's many there's many ways that we can answer that question of why, and I've done a lot of episodes on it. So I'd encourage people to go back and look at my back catalog, back catalog, back catalog, it's hard word to say, and really dive into that question of why, because it will bring you closer. But I want to go back here a little bit, Jacqueline, to, you know, this action of giving and how this becomes a practical way that we can all start to change the world with love. And I want to really highlight something that you said around we feel good when we give. And this is significant because a lot of us, myself included, we are habitually losing ourselves in things, right? Whether it's people, whether it's you know drugs, whether it's entertainment, whatever your vice is, we are all some degree looking for that power that love in something but not finding it we hit it we get a short-term hit but long-term leads to suffering so the question for you Jacqueline is what do you think is the role of not just you know giving to receive to feel that love moving through us but the role of really bringing mindful awareness to feel it in the moment Right. So when I give to Jacqueline out of the goodness of my heart, but then what is the impact of really bringing conscious awareness to how that love feels in us? You know, I think this was the biggest point for me, Harrison, and a couple of words that you said, and one that I'm going to add is the awareness and intention. And I think for all of us that when we begin to have a clear awareness and, and to me, that's the beginning of anyone's spiritual practice or your practice in your life. And that can be a practice. You can call it for happiness. It can be a practice for love. You don't have to call it spirituality. You don't have to call it religion, any of those things. But, but what it becomes is it becomes an intentional practice of awareness. And those three items right there, when done repeatedly every day, For the clear perspective that, first of all, you know it's going to benefit you. First and foremost, when you give, it's going to start. And people don't always look at giving like this, but you need to. Is it starts to fill your own cup because you're creating in your life all of the pillars of well-being we talk about. Purpose, meaning, happiness, 
um, uh, you're reducing stress right through your body. So we're, we're starting to tick off all of the psychologists, the therapists, all of their things that, that they talk about that we need for well-being and mental health. We start to check off these yeah. boxes when we give. So I want to reframe this because some people say, well, I, I get giving burnout. I give so much, I get burnt out. I want you to start to think of this as this is a way you can start to fill your cup. Yeah. I don't mean you have to go volunteer for endless hours. Not all, you know, I do that, but not everybody can do that. And there's been lots of days my cup's really empty. Um, but I know how I can begin to refill it through my practices again. And the practice of giving can be to yourself as well. Right? Yeah, this is key, Jacqueline, what you're just, it is. you're describing here the difference between, again, and I talked about this this morning as well, it's synchronistic. You're talking about the difference between sacrifice and service, right? There is, there is such a, yeah, there is such a misconception, again, I don't want to just be railing on religion today, but a lot of it comes from religious teachings that we must sacrifice ourselves first to then be of service. We must sacrifice ourselves and then do the thing, but let's invert that. Let's invert that. Let's, let's fill ourselves up. And when we say fill ourselves up from a deeper spiritual understanding, we're already full. It's more of a bringing awareness to the wholeness that we already are then from that wholeness or that full cup of love, then we go be of service. Right. right? We, it, our cup of overflow, right? Yes. And that is the flow that we, we give out, right? Yeah. But, but until you understand, and I think this is where a lot of people get stuck, is that they, they feel empty, right? They're not, they're not connected, and nor do they fully understand some of the conversations that you and I have about spirituality and that we are complete and that we are love and that we are all connected. For some people, that's a little more than they're willing to go yet or understand. But when we begin to have these practices and we see that connection because we are now taking physical action. That's why we're here. We're in physical bodies to go be of action and feel the whole world around us, right? That's the beautiful experience of being a human. You get to feel it all. And so when you go out and you're giving and you're now connecting to other people, you're connecting to our planet, you're connecting to animals. And all of a sudden there's what, what you and I would use the word expansion. All of a sudden it's like your, your heart just, it grows a little bit. It's And not physically, but energetically. Yeah. All of a sudden you have this sense of, expansion, right? And just for you that are out there that, you know, sit on the spiritual fence, potentially that can be measured. So the frequency, this is science. Now the frequency can be measured off your heart, off your body. They can see it through all the great technology we now have. And that energetic frequency off your body expands literally. And not only that, I'm going to take it one step further. It connects to the magnetic energy of our planet. I know it seems big science research real based on science. real science real, and real I, science i had the pleasure on the show a couple of weeks ago and yes. yeah i had i had roland roland mccrady yeah. from HeartMath on the show and we talked about this right this is you know eastern philosophies have been speaking about this for generations but now we have the beautiful science to help all of the wonderful souls out there listening to this kind of spiritual frequency conversation now there is this science now that supports all of this, and it it just it shows something very significant. 
And I want to, this is where I want to go next here with you, Jacqueline. And I just want to welcome all the people joining us on LinkedIn. Rob, I see you there, my friend. Thank you for joining, adding in your love. If you have questions or comments today that you want to add to this, to this uh, conversation, this dance, please pop it in the comment section. We'd love to add you into this flow as well. Um, where I want to go next here, Jacqueline, is when we start talking about love and its impact on shifting the world outside of us, we can't not speak about the word or the state of being that is vulnerability and what being emotional or vulnerable means in our ability to love oneself and also love the world outside of us. So my question for you, my beautiful friend, is what do you think, what do you feel is the role of vulnerability in the ability that love has to impact the world outside of us? It's a great question, Harrison, because I think that that's one of the scariest things that people experience, especially when you're in or going into a romantic relationship with someone. And then because we're on LinkedIn as well, I, I want people on LinkedIn to think, what does vulnerability mean as well when you're showing up in your business, essentially, right? Or the role that we play in our work lives and how well accepted is the vulnerability state um, in our workplaces, right? And then also in our relationships, because I think at times people feel there's a risk at showing up as who we are, right? We wear these beautiful masks every day. The mask for me, the mask, the, the role I play as a mother, the role I play as a keynote speaker, the role I play as a executive director of a charitable organization, the role that I play in so many different areas of my life. And these, these expectations that we think people are looking at us at a certain way and evaluating us all. And I'll give you a really funny example of this. When I did my TED talk, one of the first comments that came in um, was some person um, making comments about the fact that he felt I wasn't wearing a bra and that I was too old not to be, so, right? So all of a sudden, me standing on a stage being very vulnerable, like when I talk about vulnerability, that, that whole experience scared me to death. But I stood in my power and, and I did it from the place of love that I'll never be able to express. And then all of a sudden the comments, you know, there's whatever, almost 8 million views. And the comments started coming in and the first negative and the second negative, and the third, they started coming in. And it was really interesting for me to stand and go, how is this making me feel? Right. And, and I felt vulnerable right? Or your boss at work, your child is sick and you need to go tell your boss, you have to leave work because your mom and your child's sick and you got to go care for them. And your boss is looking at you going, this isn't really excuse, nor is it my problem. And all of a sudden you're in a very vulnerable place. So there's lots of examples we can give about that. And I think that our challenge goes is that until we're willing to, first of all, understand and ask ourselves the the hard questions. What's our belief, right? What do we believe we're here for? I have a very clear higher purpose in this world. I'm so clear on it, but it took me a long time to get there. You know, what is it that you're here for? Why are you here? What does it mean in the big picture of things to you? Because it's different for everyone. Until so we start to dig into answering those questions for ourselves, yeah. are we actually even able 
to start standing in our own truth and being vulnerable because we know that when we're vulnerable, we then open up a whole world to everyone else to do the same. That's right. Isn't that the kicker? Right. So us, you and I, we're a great example of this. We met on the social audio app Clubhouse, whether you like it or not, we did. And Harrison and I spent a lot of really phenomenal quality time there discovering a lot about ourselves and then and then allowing this for other people where when we could stand in our own truth, good, bad, ugly, great days, terrible days, um, learning days, so all of it, and we could yeah. be honest with it was the moment you could feel an energetic shift in these audio rooms where everyone took a big breath and they went, oh my God, that was right? It's permission to be yourself and it's okay. This is the key here with the vulnerability that I think you beautifully articulated it, Jacqueline. You know, I want to go back to your example that you gave with the TEDx talk that you did and how your vulnerability attracted the shadows, right? Attracted you know, those comments that you were highlighting, but I just want to give you some love here. That TEDx talk is at what I think 7 million views on YouTube. It also obviously attracted the light. So for people tuning in, I just want this to be very clear. When we stand in our vulnerable love, we, in many ways, from a very spiritual lens, I'll describe it this way. We open our channel. We open our channel of, I would call it love frequency, your divine presence, the power that is you to move through. And that isn't just moving through for your own purpose. In in Jacqueline's example of giving a TEDx talk, it's obviously helping her speak her truth. But that presence that is me is also that presence that is inside of you. So when you're vulnerable, i.e. open up to all of yourself, that presence in other people also has the opportunity to do the same, whether that person is consciously aware of it or not. Do you, does this resonate, Jacqueline? Do you agree with this? Um, you know, I want people to look at this in all areas of your life. Obviously, I, I gave the example of TED Talk, but what about your relationships? What about yeah. your, your marriage, your relationships with your children, your relationship with your friends? Okay, let's touch on this one. Your relationship with your closest family, your siblings, right? Um, your parents, potentially, you know, all of... These are all our opportunities in our life. And it's always hard to look at them as opportunities because it's way easier to look at them as potentially coming from a place of anger or blame or shame or long time ongoing, whatever it is between you. Everybody knows this. We've all experienced it. I still am experiencing it with my family. And, but it's our opportunity, right? This is our opportunity to go, okay, what just triggered me? What came in that I need to look at more closely. This is, and this is when we're talking about awareness. So I'm not just saying like flow the love, it's all, you know, goodness and let's sit around a circle and, and, and sing OM together. This is how do I examine my own life? How do I become aware of not just how I flow that love out, but when it does come in and I promise you that it will, because whatever you need to clean up, you haven't cleaned up. It's going to come back. You're going to flow love out. And it's going to come back and you're going to go, see, this is what happens. When I flow love out, this is what happens. And some trigger comes back and you feel like you've been slapped in the face. But the way I want you to consider looking at it, and it takes some practice. And again, we're going to go back to these practices, these love practices. And this is another love practice. The moment you can turn around, take even just a minute, walk away, take a few breaths, whatever it is, or 
I, I always say it's stand back far enough where you see that trigger, you feel it coming up, you feel it maybe in your heart, in your gut, your head's going to explode, you feel it in your head, wherever it is for you. And that person standing across from you has said something yet again that has set you off. And you can feel the anger or the disappointment or the hurt coming up. That's your beautiful moment where you get to go, there it is. (gasps) Oh, there you are. Oh, that's really not about you at all. And this is now the person standing across from you. This has nothing to do with you. This actually has to do all about me. Yeah. And and that's that's the shift. But it's the shift. And it's not that you have to go, oh, yeah, this is all my fault. And in that moment, you have to agree with the person and you have to apologize and you have to say, this is all on me. I'm not saying that either. But in your trigger, it gives you the opportunity to walk away, think about it for 24 hours and then dig in and say, "Okay, that person said something to me and I felt not enough. I felt not seen. I felt not heard. And then you start to go back and you go, where else do I feel like that in my life? Yeah. Am I actually not listening to myself? Do I not feel seen in my own world? Am I not able to look at myself in the mirror and see something I like? And you turn it all around in every area that it no longer, even though, yes, that person standing across from you maybe wasn't so nice. And instead you go, that was a gift for me to look at what I need to clean up because anyone should be able to stand in front of you and say whatever they want. And instead of us turning in anger, we turn in compassion because we see their pain. We turn in love because we can see that somewhere they're hurting. And we can stand there and hold the space that they need because something's up for them. And it's no longer about you. And I'm not saying we turn and say it's all about them, but you can understand. You don't have to forgive but you can understand how they feel that way because you've looked at it in yourself. Yeah, It's all a mere reflection, right? Whatever and they're saying to me, I need to look at it. This is, it's so beautiful, Jacqueline. This is, it seems small, right? It seems like this is such a, and I had that small moment today and made me feel good. But when we zoom all the way out, does it really matter? And I'm here to say that it does matter, right? One person doing that in one interaction, if we start to extrapolate that out to the collective, these are the quote unquote small actions that are shifting our reactions into responses that impacts the collective, right? Because we're all a part of it. We're not Jacqueline making that choice to respond instead of react to, to take in love rather than anger and fear that impacts the collective, right? Because we've never been separate. This shifts now, Jacqueline, to another question I want to throw at you. And you kind of answered it already, but I want to go a little bit deeper. And it's the role of forgiveness in this love conversation and how it impacts and changes the world. And when I connect into my own practices of love, and at the end of this, we are going to share some practices, so stick around. But this in itself is a practice of forgiveness and not external forgiveness. That's a part of it, but the deepest form of it being self-forgiveness. So I'm wondering if you can speak to what is the role here of forgiveness in love, Jacqueline? How does it specifically help us impact the world outside of us? 
Yeah, I love this. And and Harrison, I'm going to quickly just, you know, we're going through um, some really beautiful things right now. And and I want to go back to that word practice because that's how we started. That's how this conversation started is it's a practice. And so I want people to see how this is, this isn't a one and done. Okay. This is not what we're talking about today. This becomes a practice in your life every day. It doesn't happen once. It doesn't happen twice. It doesn't happen even, I'll promise you, a hundred times, because just when I think I've got it, you know, you can call it whatever you want. I'm going to call it the universal forces. Bring something in for you to specifically go a little deeper. And that's when it gets really fun. I'm going to let you know, because as soon as you start to practice these things, you practice a practice of love, you become more aware, you start to see the triggers that are coming up. It's building all those muscles. And then the fabulous thing is, is they start to come a little faster, a little bit harder, maybe when you're ready to expand. We talked about, you know, that growth, but our personal expansion, we're all here to grow and expand in our lives every day. And when you're ready for that expansion, it comes a little faster and a little harder. And, and all of a sudden you see it all unfolding, but it all, it's almost like you're able to transform it really fast, right? So instead of sticking in it and getting stuck in it, you, you are very quickly able to see it for what it is, right? And you can transform it. And it, so that's a beautiful part about what we're talking about is that what you're going to find is you're going to find more peace. You're going to find more calm. You're going to be less stressed. You're going to easily ebb and flow in and out of the emotions that we used to get stuck in for a long time, knowing how to find your way home. And when I say knowing how to find your way home, for me, you know, we're all walking ourselves home. We're walking ourselves back to that place of love. So this is your practice of how do I keep going back to home, which is just ourselves. It's not a house. It's not anything else. It's just how do I keep walking myself home to myself? Um, so I want to go back to that practice and and forgiveness. And, you know, I have a beautiful friend in my life. And Harrison, you um, interviewed him just again, a week, two, week ago. Yeah, Neil Donald Walsh. And, you know, that man's been a pivotal, you know, you want angels that come into your life. I read Neil's book um, for the first time when I was 25 years old, Conversation with God. And it, it changed the way that I looked at the world for the specific purposes that religion never worked for me. I was steeped in it in my life and I never got it. I never understood. It never rang true for me. And then I read Neil's book and it all suddenly made sense. It, it was like I read this book going, well, of course, that's the way it is. Right. It just I sat through the whole book going, yes, 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 completely. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that Neil has taught me about forgiveness is shifting from forgiveness to understanding. It can be very hard. Let's say, let's use an example that we can all relate to. I'm not going to go too far um, off. I'm not going to use an example of like, I don't know, somebody kills your child or something extreme. Let's go simple. You get into a big fight with your partner and they have had an affair. Okay, let's use that as an example. And man, they're angry. And um, uh, or sorry, you're angry. Okay. And, and you don't know how you're going to forgive you're angry at yourself, but you don't know how to forgive them. Okay. They've had an affair. You don't know how to forgive them. You know what? You may not be able to forgive them right away. You may not ever agree with what they did. It's not about agreeing. Sometimes to me, forgiveness is, is that you're letting them off the hook, but what we could do is we could understand 
we could understand that your marriage is not a good in a good place or your partnership, your relationship is not in a good place. You can recognize that you're not in a good loving partnership at the moment. You can recognize the fact that if somebody came along and tugged your heart just the right way, that just maybe you'd be able to do the same. So now you're coming from a place of, I don't have to forgive them right away, but I could understand because it could be me, right? Or you could even see the hate in our world. You could see the homeless people on the street. You could see people going hungry, like all of the atrocities that are happening in our world. If you dug down into all of them, we're all human beings. And the reality is, is that it could be any one of us. I could be that homeless person on the street in a blink. One thing could happen in my life, something so horrific, so horrible, whatever it is. And I could be that homeless person. So I don't walk past homeless people. Even if I have nothing to give them, I will stop. I will get down with them and I will just look them in the eye and I will say, I see you. How are you today? And I will recognize their existence because I understand it could be me. I understand that my best friend could have an affair on her husband because I know what a wreck their marriage was. And I know that we're all looking for the same thing. And that's that connection to love. And I knew that she didn't have it to herself. So she went out looking for it. I could understand how somebody could go rob somebody's house because they were so desperate. They needed to feed their family. Do I have to forgive them for taking all my stuff? Of course not. But I can understand. Yeah. And so that beautiful shift for me it releases puts it. me, it does, it puts me in the in the in the place of compassion that I could do that too. Yeah. Right. And that, you know, you say I, I couldn't shoot another person. If if I had to protect my child and it was a choice of my child or and protecting them and shooting another human being, would I do it? I would. I would. So could I understand that I may be able to shoot someone? The reality is, is I could, if it was to protect my child. Yeah. This shift of understanding to move through forgiveness. Let's apply it. It's the first step in many ways, what it does, because this is really what I was trying to allude to when I asked the question and you hit it perfectly, Jacqueline, is the deepest form of forgiveness will always be self-forgiveness, right? We think we're forgiving an external thing, but it's always there's some component of us that is holding on to most of the time judgment around the situation. And when we apply this beautiful reframe of understanding, it allows us to, through love, through compassion, through acceptance, through surrender, to let go of that judgment. Right, it's it's that heavy backpack that we've been carrying around for who knows how long. Through the understanding, we can take it off, right, and make a different choice. And that's the key, right there, Harrison. I want to just go back to and reiterate: we have a choice, and that's the free will that we all need to understand that we came with. We have a choice in every minute of every day of how we show up. Right, we have a choice how we respond react. We have a choice on how we respond. And, you know, I, I'm going to share this with everybody now, because I knew I would at some point, but Harrison taught me this beautiful practice. And I do it now every morning before I get out of bed. And I'm sure he's, he shared it before, but I want to share it just from my own perspective, because it changed the way I show up for myself first when I get out of bed, because I'm setting an intention to be loved, right? 
and just setting that intention. So before my head gets off the pillow, the first thing I say to myself every day is if love was a person, what would love think? So right there, I'm taking control of that monkey mind I have that wants to take me down a lot of paths I don't want to go down of negativity and self-deprivation and all of the ways that we can go in our world and, and beating up other people mentally, right? Um, and, and so it changes my mindset. It sets out a mindset. My, my, first, I've got to start with the thoughts that I think. What am I thinking when I start my day? And how can I turn that into love? And I don't mean you need to go stand in the bathroom mirror and say, I love you. That doesn't work for everybody. And that's a big shift. But could you, you and I have this practice. Could you tell your first glass of water that you have in the morning? I love you. Could you tell your coffee? I love you. (laughs) Your automatic coffee maker, your pillow, your warm shower, whatever it is. Could you start with those things, right? And turn that on within yourself. And and then we we go. So it's it's thinking. And then what are the words you're going to say, right? What are the words that are going to come out of our mouth that are going to affect, first of all, what we're saying to ourselves and then affect everyone that comes into your life? How are you talking to your children? How are you talking to your cat? How are you talking to the people at work? What's the intention that you're coming with when you're speaking with people? Because words matter. Words matter because of the meaning that people put on them and the frequency that they have because the energetic frequency, again, science can be measured words have a frequency. And when they hit someone else's ear, that's all they are, are, right? It's sound that is translated by somebody else's perspective. How is that going to be? Because we know just even the slightest tone shift, right? Can make a huge difference to what people are bringing in. And then the last one is how are we going to act, right? How are we showing up in the world to serve? How are we serving ourselves? How are we serving our planet? How are we serving our family? How are we serving at work? When we come from that place of service, that place of giving, we've turned on oxytocin in our body. And all of a sudden, we're looking at the world differently because we've changed the lens in which we view the world through every part of our body, through yeah. every part of our body. Sorry, I had to add that. Uh, no, it's, it's beautiful. It's been bubbling, as you yeah. would say, <laughs> bubbling up for me all day. <laughs> it's a powerful practice, Jacqueline. It is. And it it's... is a powerful practice, a daily practice. Yeah just like brushing your teeth. Yes. You don't brush your teeth, your teeth are going to fall out. If you don't practice love, you're not going to connect to love. And it's, I, I want to highlight, because <laughs> I think people are really starting to feel, right, what this frequency feels like. But let's just, it, just in case, right, just in case it hasn't hit your heart yet and hasn't become clear. You know, in the morning, I actually, so I actually apply that, what would love to, I apply it throughout my day. But where I use it most is not in the morning, is actually at night. And for me, and I think a lot of people who can relate to this, when we're not just wanting to change the world, but just within our individual life and our own daily routine, throughout the day, there are a lot of opportunities for the opposite of love to come up. And the opposite of love is fear, in my opinion. The opposite of love is fear, is that separation energy. And when we are using this affirmation of love, it helps us transcend fear in many cases. But I want to ask you, Jack, because I want to hear from your perspective, when we step into this love that we want to use to change the world, and we could use that affirmation or some other practices, whatever you're using to cultivate it, often where this love inspires us to go is into spaces and places that will bring up fear 
that will bring up fear inside of us in all of the ways. So I'm wondering if you can continue this point here, Jacqueline. How do we how do we continue to face this fear? Is it just using this affirmation or have you seen other tools and practices that have been helpful to move through this fear with grace and ease? Um, you know, I'm going to use two examples so that people get kind of yeah. two ends of the stick. And for me, you know, my life is in, in the keynote speaking world and, um, you know, presenting in front of people. So when, again, I'll use an example of that Ted talk, cause that brought up every fear I ever had in my entire life. That Ted talk, that, that it had it for me. And every time I thought I was going to be so scared and I almost quit more times than you could know, I was curled up in the ball on the floor in tears more than once. And every time I thought I was going to quit, I thought I, I can't do that for the world. It wasn't about me anymore. It was, if I don't show up for the world, nothing's going to change. And so I drove past my fear for the love of our planet, for the love of the work that I do, for the possibility that I could inspire one person to do just something to give back in this world. So it was never, it was never about me. It was, it was, I am going to do everything I have to do to step past this fear, not for myself, but for everyone around me. Because if not, I didn't show up as my highest, truest version of who I am for the world. If I couldn't stand on that stage, I would have been stuck in that forever. It would have been my, it would have been my biggest regret without a doubt. And I knew I had to step past that fear. And so my love for the world, literally, and the love for the work that I do and the love for the children in our world and the future that I want to see for them allowed me to step past my fear. But I want you to think about this when you're going into potentially a relationship with someone, right? We all get all stuck up in our fears and they start coming up left, right, and center when we get into relationship with another person, let's say, you know, a romantic relationship. And all of a sudden, you know, we're not good enough. You know, uh, we're not pretty enough. They're going to be looking at somebody else. I'm going to be in competition. All the stories. All all the the stories. stories We tell ourselves that aren't even true. Yeah. And the moment you just, you just let it go and you can stand there and you can say, okay, these are exactly that. These are the stories. Look what is going through my head right now about all these things I'm making up and none of them are actually real. It's like we're playing the storybook in our head that that doesn't exist. And when you can start to recognize those and all it is, and I almost say this, I have a son who has a neurodiversity and he's scared of everything. He's scared of stepping out of the house. And we always take this perspective that every time we take just one step, one little step beyond our fear. So today we're going to take just about one step into school, right? We may not get into the classroom, but we're going to take the step into school And we're going to go to the quiet room and start there because it it took us that one step beyond what we thought was possible. And when we look at that from every perspective of our life, whatever is showing up, all of a sudden it's that muscle you were talking about that you're stepping beyond the fear and you're stepping into love for yourself. That's it. It's love for yourself. I want to. And and recognize it, right? Yeah. Step past the fear. One little step. Love for self. Yeah. I, it brings up the quote. Jacqueline and I, I'm sure I've shared with you before. I've definitely shared on the podcast before. And it's, you know, from Rumi and Rumi says the way appears once we start to walk it, right? So we often get analysis paralysis, right? Due to that fear, you know, maybe we have the intention of or of changing the world with our love and all these grandeur, you know, beautiful dreams, but we don't take the first step because we're worried about the 10, the 20, the, the 40th step in front of us. And it's not about that, right? It's, can only ever focus on the present moment because the present moment is the real moment. 
I I want to break down that story piece for a second here too, Jacqueline. And I think this is really significant to understand and we can apply love to this as well. And I want to get your thoughts on this. Each of those stories that stops us from taking action and fills us with fear, each of them are not there randomly. Those stories aren't just stacking up on you because we live in this innately, you know, challenging world and they're just around every corner and they're going to come and get you. No, most, if not all of those stories are coming from a place of pain, are coming from a place of needing soothing, needing to be seen, needing love. So this is why you said, you know, this is a self-practice and this is what I want to get your thoughts on. When we want to take that step, yes, we can project our love outwards. Like you said, in your example of I'm doing this to help the world and to impact the world. And that's helping me take the step. That's powerful. But what I think is more powerful and what heals those stories, if in that moment we take that step through fear, we direct that love towards us and that specific story. So it's healed. What are your thoughts on this, Jacqueline? Uh, A lot. You know, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. Um, you know, I think one of the things that part of this practice, and why I keep going back to the practice, is that it took me a long time to get to the point where that recognition. So when I was doing that TED talk, I was, as much as I was aware, I had some awareness, I didn't have a lot um, by any means. It took me a long time afterwards. And, and I'll let you know, I still deal with it in some ways today. Is that exactly what you said? Does anybody see me? Am I being heard? You know, do people, do people actually, am I just like another one of these one 8 billion people on this planet and nobody hears what I actually have to say. And I'll let you know that I, I, I took this and even recently I've taken this all the way back to my childhood. And this is what you're so good at is you take it back and you go, Oh yeah, I had that house. Right. Oh yeah. I wasn't, I didn't feel seen. I didn't feel hurt for all the millions of reasons as a child. I didn't feel any of that. That's why, right. Is that that I didn't feel seen and heard as a child. And, and as much as I've done a lot of work around that over my lifetime, it still pops up for me. It's still there. It's not like it suddenly goes away, but what I'm learning is that I'm so quick to recognize it now, right? And I say, oh, you're still there? Oh, great, let's do some more work, <laughs> right? Now I turn it into gratitude. Now I'm grateful that it's there because it also means that somewhere in my life right now, I'm actually not standing in my full power. I'm not standing in my true nature because if I feel like I'm not being seen and heard, and listen, I'm a speaker, it means I'm actually not standing on a stage either. It means somewhere I'm getting stuck. And you and I have talked about this, that, that I'm not taking the steps that I need to take to use my, my powerful voice in the way it's meant to be used. The gift that I was given, I'm actually not showing up as that either. I'm not showing up for myself and when I know my abilities because I, I am getting stuck here, right? So if I'm not comfortable doing a Instagram post video or a LinkedIn video or whatever that is talking about something, that's because I'm being stuck in my own fear of how others are going to perceive yeah. what I'm saying, right? You're stuck, at, you're stuck in that story, yeah. Completely. And so, you know, you can go, okay, I don't want to do that. Not because I don't want to be on social media. I know I have the power to create change. 
I don't want to do that because you know, trip over my words and what is everybody going to think? And is anybody going to show up? And all of those things that, right. And, and it takes work and that's where the practice comes in. And it's so important that it takes that practice every day to get so comfortable. Sorry, somebody's just coming on my door to get so comfortable that we can, um, we can, we can move beyond that. And then that's love, right? Because then you're standing in your authentic, true power. I want to make this very clear with what you beautifully just said, Jacqueline, that practice where you were grateful. And I would say even in awe of that, catching that story, that's stopping you from doing the thing. I just want people to be aware of this. Each time you do that in the practice that Jacqueline just highlighted in the way that she highlighted it, it's not only letting you do the thing that you're meant to do, i.e. share your voice, share your love, change the world. That is healing it, right? Each time that you hold that piece of you, as you, as Jacqueline highlighted, it's most likely in a child component, you hold it in that awe frequency, that gratitude frequency, that love frequency. It allows that pain to release, right? So I just, you know, for people tuning in that experience these things, each time you build that muscle, it, it allows that fragment to come home, right? Come back into that heart space. So it's not, it's not just a doing of the thing. Each time you're healing, each time you're soothing in that moment. And let's add to that, Harrison. I said, you know, love can change the world. That's it. That's the piece right there. Because when you start healing yourself, it affects everything everybody around you, right? Now you're coming and raising your children differently because you're seeing it differently. You're understanding their experience and how you can, you can help them heal their own. I have three adopted children. You want trauma and steeped multi-generational trauma that's been going on for years? Lord, I've got those kids, but what a beautiful gift that I've been given those children so I can see what I need to heal in myself so I can best support their journey, right? And, and that's the gift is that I was the perfect person for the job because I, I was already partway there when they came. And so now I have this beautiful ability that in, in three children, the healing that I'll do for myself, that I will help with them and help them do the work. Let's say in my lifetime, listen, could I, could I have told you that I would have reached 8 million people on this planet through the work that I do? Of course not. I could never have anticipated that, you know, and more. And that's what we know about, about giving is that it ripples. But then you start to look at the people and how you're affecting them that are right up close to you in your life. And now I've taken three children who could have been stuck in the system of never being adopted gone down the roads that their parents went down, addiction and death and abuse and all of those things that affect our world. But now I've got these three beautiful little souls that I can help them do the work. And every person they're going to touch in their lives, it's now changed everything, right? What could have been one path for three little boys is now completely different. And it's going to change everything in their world and every person they touch in their world. And that's the impact that us understanding love, stop being scared of the word, stop thinking it's a woo-woo thing and all the other ways we look at it. But instead, the most powerful opportunity for every single individual in this world to change not only their world, but 
everyone they touch, every single time they touch them. Now it's each of us, right? I always say, what the hell are we waiting for the leaders in this world to change the world for? Because it's never going to happen. History tells us. But when we each individually take our own personal responsibility and we can now fill our own cup so it overflows to everything that we touch in this world, because it may just be whoever's listening right now that you're the next person that's going to stand on a stage or on Instagram or on TikTok and your video is going to go viral and touch 30 million people in 30 minutes and look at the opportunity that you have to change everything. Yeah. Right. The beautiful full circle. It. It's a beautiful full circle, full circle. Jacqueline, to yeah. what we started this chat with. And it, you know, it just inspires me each time I look out into the world and all the things that are going on and, you know, from pandemics to wars to all the things there's two choices we have. We can either go meet that anger, that pain, that hatred with maybe our self-justified anger, pain, and hatred, or we can do our own thing, expand our loving light, and create something new that now that becomes the norm, right? This loving light of expansion, that's the norm rather than the war, the pain, the pandemics, the set, et cetera, right? Because love, love does it all, right? Kindness, compassion, understanding, and that all comes along with it. It's not just love. It's everything that goes along with that. Happiness, well-being, good mental health, right? And that it all falls into play and we're no longer all struggling, but we're, we're peaceful and we're happy and we're working together and we're connected and we feel that connection. Yeah. Jacqueline, I love you, my friend. This has been a beautiful conversation. Before I have to wrap things up and let you go, I want to provide a bit of space now. If people tuning in either live or on uh, the podcast have tuned in, have been pulled to your heart and your work in the world, I know that this, at the time I release this podcast, you'll be launching your beautiful new refresh and reframe of your of your organization, your website. So what do you want to share with people so they can find out more? Um, my next baby that I have been birthing for quite some time. And you want to talk about somebody having to step past fear. It would be me um, because I had to learn everything I needed to do to build and create and come from the right space um, to serve. And so we're launching our new 365 Give website in just a month. I'm super excited. It's in the process. I feel like I, I just went into labor actually today um, and we're super excited to see how it's all going to come to fruition. But what we know is that everything that we now do comes from that place of love um, throughout my organization and it's embedded in it. And I think that's the beautiful thing now versus the website um, that we you know launched six years ago is that through my own evolution and growth and expansion is that's now coming out into something new for everyone else to also experience that. Um, so we're excited to, to launch it and, and have it out. Harrison, thank you for having me and, and being part of this with me. Um, and, you know, I, I taught a class um, just two weeks ago. It was a happiness class to a grade five class. And uh, even though it was about happiness, I talked a lot about love. And um, I asked these grade five kids to, I gave them all a pair of blue heart-shaped glasses um, to put on. And we practiced looking at life through a different lens. And for those of you that know me well, my personal symbol is a blue heart and uh, the blue heart represents spiritual love to me. And so I use it as my symbol everywhere I go. 
And these kids for a moment in time got to see life through the lens of love while we did this class together. And I taught them something and they were all doing it to me by the end of the day. And it was namaste. And I made it simple for them. And I said, namaste to me, to me means that when you're not talking, when I'm talking, that, that first of all, I see the best in you and you are looking at me and you're seeing the best in me. And really that's the practice that we need to do for each other is how can we look beyond what sometimes we see as how people show up in our world? How can we, how can we see the best in them? Because when we see the best in someone, that light is so bright that they will start to see them themselves. So Harrison, thank you, my friend. Namaste. You are shining light for us all and appreciate the presence that you hold. You taught me about holding space and um, that's a gift that you give to us. all. Love you, my friend. Thank you for your time today. For everyone that's tuned in, I will put Jacqueline's beautiful website and her organization in the show notes so you can go and check her out. Uh, I'll probably put the uh, her YouTube video and her TEDx talk in there as well so you can see more of this beautiful divine's heart, her heart and her essence in the world. Jacqueline, until next time here on the show, I love you very much. Thank you everyone that's tuned in and given, given us your time, your attention. If you enjoy this, please share it out far and wide with someone that you think it can impact and shift their reality. But until next time, we send you love, we send you light, and we'll see you again very soon. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Cosmic Love Antenna with me, your host, Harrison. If you gained value or this episode hit your heart, please remember to share this out with a friend, a family member, or a lover. You can also leave your love over on Apple Reviews and Spotify Star Feedback, and this helps me spread my frequency to more souls in need. Finally, if you want to connect with me deeper, want to reach out, interested in coaching, please follow me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Harrison Ma, Ma spelled M-E-A-G-H-E-R. Sending you so much love. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives' activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonise your mind, body and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Electric acid.